0: good morning again everyone good, morning. It's good to see everybody this morning I hope everybody's doing well I think many of us may have decided that we are going to be getting onto a diet soon <laughs> no matter how much you ate it's almost always too much but I really appreciate the opportunity that you are showing me by allowing me to share some thoughts with you here this morning I'm very happy for all who were watching remotely, and I'm also very happy for all of you who have come in to the house here in order to gather together, brothers and sisters, and worship God. This morning, I want to spend a few moments, I thought about making a joke that we were going to spend a lot of time going through an entire book of the Bible. It's only going to be 3 John, which is a very, very short book of the Bible. But well, we will in fact go through the entire book here this morning, Third John, and I've subtitled it there, Lessons from a Short Letter. In the original, 3 John fits in normal writing on one leaf of paper. If you think about it, uh, back in school I remember it had to be, you know, it was like two pages to write a report. Well, those last few lines were written in pretty large loops of letters. I wanted to make sure it was exactly two pages. I wasn't about to add more to it than I had to, and certainly you didn't want to be a line short. This fits perfectly. And so, if you think about it, if you had one piece of paper and you wrote something you were going to fold it up, it needed to fit on one piece. You had just enough room to say what you needed to say, no more, and (laughs) send it off. That's what 3 John is all about. So let's take a look here at 3 John. It begins. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. The word I've underlined there for elder is the original word, fancy-dancy word here, at least from Greek, presbyteros, presbyteros. It originally meant an elder not so much of someone that oversees a congregation, but simply somebody who's old, somebody who's old. In fact, it might be better to translate it the ancient or the aged. The ancient or the aged. It's not from some sort of church related position that this letter is being written. It's written from by somebody that has experience gained through the years. And so it's this age and the personal qualities of the writer that are the source, if you will, of the authority for writing this short little letter. By this time, John is an old, old man. John was likely a teenager. John the Apostle was likely a teenager at the time of Jesus, almost certainly the youngest of the twelve who were following after Jesus. And if this letter is written late as we think it is, sometime toward the end of the first century, it puts him to be a pretty old man, especially when people lived an average of 40-45 years at that time. So it's pretty unique to be a potentially 80-90 year old man. And so after all this time where he's been around for so long, the last living connection back to Jesus himself, probably, uh, when he saw a church, a congregation, that was threatened with trouble and heresy, false teaching, he wrote with a very gracious and loving correction. You ever been involved in something that you shouldn't do uh, and the correction was harsh? I think of my PE teacher. High school or middle school is like right you know, I jump out of my skin hearing my name shouted out well there's a way of correction that can be harsh and there's another way somebody can say you know let's talk about some things I've been seeing where you can lovingly help correct somebody there's probably times for both John here uses that more gracious loving uh, connection correction he writes to the beloved gaius there are several gaiuses mentioned in the New Testament Very short and sweet. We don't know who who this person was. Name Gaius, we do not have any way to know if it's one of the other ones that's mentioned somewhere or not. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So he hopes and prays to find Gaius in uh, good physical health just as he is in good spiritual health. There's an importance we can place on both of those. When Paul wrote to Timothy... He told him that he should take a little wine for his stomach's sake and for his frequent infirmities. He wanted him to not be physically unwell. I mean, it's never pleasant. And if you're physically unwell, you can't be doing things you need to be doing, and sometimes being physically sick can lead to being dead. And so take care of your physical health. That's why we're all wearing masks when we gather together these days in order to protect other people when we may not know that we ourselves might be the one who is sick. Love your neighbor, you wear the mask. Jesus healed the sick, right? I mean, that was one of his primary missions, one of his primary deeds as you look back in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is healing the sick. So there are good reasons to be concerned with the entire person. Spiritual health is terribly, terribly important, so very, very important. But we shouldn't overlook emotional health or physical health as well. We are, in fact, a combination of these as a person. And so, if you take care of somebody's physical health, if you show that you actually care about them, what better way do you have to potentially also reach out and talk about their spiritual health? Care about the person. Care about the person. The close of 2 John had read, the... Uh, children of your elect sister greet you. That's how 2 John, the previous page, if you were looking at a physical printed Bible. The children of your elect sister greet you. Greet implies a closeness. In fact, the word really means to grab somebody close to you in a hug. Pull them close to you in your arms. Greet. Give them a hug. All right, give, give them a hug. That's something we're not doing a whole lot of these days. I gave a few chicken wings this morning. Little elbow bump. Uh, maybe that'll do for now, but that's not what he had written at the end of 2 John. The start of 3 John, John had read, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. My point in the just the first verse again here is we need to take an interest in the whole person. You know, how are you doing? Fine. That's, that's usually the response we'll give. We need to know and get to know and take an interest in the whole person. I know people that are having a lot of emotional trouble. I know people who are a lot of, under a lot of stress. I know people who are sick. I know people who don't come to God as often as they should. We need to look at the whole person. That's what John had done when he said, I want to grab you with kind of a bear hug, if you can imagine old man giving a bear hug. Why? Because he cared about the people he wrote to in 2 John. And here at the start of 3 John, he obviously cares about gates. The next primary thought he spends a little bit of time with here is the the idea of walking in truth. Walking in truth. Look what he says. I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you were walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, than to hear that my children are walking in truth. The idea of walking is how you're living your life. The the phrase walking, you're paying attention to your walk, is really the course that you make as you walk through your life, as you go through your life. And Deus here had been walking in truth. It's a very familiar passage in New Testament, the whole idea of living in truth. Jesus in John eight twelve had said, that I am the light of the world, he who follows me will not walk in darkness. If you follow Jesus, you will not be living your life in dark ways, in evil ways, doing evil things. If Jesus is the light of the world, then if I follow Jesus, I need to be where the light is. I need to be where Jesus is will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If Jesus is living in me, how can I be associated with darkness? How can I be living my life walking in darkness, doing deeds, activities, being involved with things that are dark? Jesus says, if you follow me, you will have the light in your life. You will have the light of life. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul had said that we as followers of Jesus need to walk as children of light. If we are in fact children of God, then we should be walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. Galatians 5, Paul also said, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. There are things we are not supposed to do, things God has said don't. And if we are following God, we need to stay away, not only from those activities, but places where those activities are presented to us. We need to walk in light, walk in the spirit, walk as children of God, and stay away from things that are in the darkness. 1 John 1, 5, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we are a member of God's family, if we say that we are children of God, then we should not be walking in darkness if we do walk in darkness as we also were saying we are members of god's family children of light look what he says it's pretty blunt we lie we're liars and we do not practice the truth we are not walking in the truth so if we're a member of god's family we need to pay attention to how we live and how we walk John had said here to Gaius that he had heard that Gaius was walking in the truth. He was very, very happy to hear that. He says, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren. He has said that word, Beloved, three times in a very short space. I get the impression John loved a lot of people. And that's evident by being concerned about the person. You know, if I say that I love you say that you love me but you don't really care about what's happening in my life you don't care that somebody close to me had died or somebody close to me had been sick or that I have hurt or had a significant problem in my life in the last week you really you really don't love me you don't we have to stay connected we have to stay involved in each other's lives or we What does he say? Why? because we're not practicing the truth. Practicing the truth is terribly terribly important. It's a critical part of how we are members of God's family and that's all involved in this whole idea of love and being beloved. John loved people and he wasn't reluctant or afraid to show it. You Want to be a faithful child of God? You want to be a member of God's family? You want to be somebody that God looks at and says that's my child need to do things for our brothers and sisters. And I think compared to many congregations that I have seen over the last couple of years, Lindsley Avenue shows that because Lindsley Avenue is actively involved in wanting to help. So you are to be commended for that. The next primary thought he talks about is hospitality. Hospitality. You know, we have a whole industry here in Nashville, a hospitality industry. Usually it means taking money from people so they have a good time. That's not exactly what we're talking about here, but hospitality. Look what John says. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers. And they have testified to your love before the truth. So who are these Brothers you accomplish for the brethren especially when they are strangers. They're still brothers, but they're strangers. We're talking about not brothers and sisters from their own congregation, wherever Gaius attended, wherever Gaius was a member of God's family. People came into town from somewhere else. They were brothers and sisters and they helped them. They looked after them. When you have visitors, we need to be involved in Caring about people who were visiting with us. When we do things, good or bad, it gets back to people. This congregation where Gaius was had done good things for these strangers who had come to town, and word got back even to John. He says, good job. When you're showing love for strangers, you're doing a good thing. In the ancient world, hospitality was considered a very sacred duty among the pagans, the people of the Roman Empire. Strangers, and the Greek word for strangers was xenos, xenos was the word for strangers, were under the protection of Zeus in the pagan world, the chief of the gods. And so Zeus was the god of strangers, and this word here for uh, strangers, loving of strangers, is The, in fact, love of xenos, xenophilia, love of strangers. That's what hospitality is all about, loving the stranger. It's easy to love somebody you've known forever. It takes real character, real heart to love somebody you don't know very well. So in the ancient world, inns, hotels, inns, were very notorious. Uh, It was not a good thing to have gone in and have to go to an inn or a hotel. In fact, the Greeks hated the idea of paying somebody to be nice to you. You think about a hotel or an inn, that's what it really is. You're paying somebody, so they give you a clean bed to stay in, right? If you go over today and try to pay somebody, a Greek, for something they've done that's nice to you, it's one of the most insulting things you can do to them. The profession of uh, innkeeper, being somebody that ran an inn, a hotel, was considered kind of the lowest of the low because you made your living taking money from people in order to be nice to them. They were dirty, they were flea infested, it was really bad, really bad to have to stay in an inn. Um, Plato had compared them to pirates. Plato, a Greek philosopher, said the people that ran inns were like pirates because they held you hostage. You had to pay them in order to leave like you were taken as a kidnapping victim you had to pay them in order to leave here's a question very timely from our season here where were Joseph and Mary not even able to stay when they came to Bethlehem there wasn't even any room at the inn remember we're told that so with the flea infested rat infested probably run-down place where you had to pay somebody to be nice to you He was awful. They couldn't even stay with the notorious innkeeper. They had to go out to the manger where the animals were. Again, he says, Therefore, beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God hospitality was to be especially the characteristic of the leaders of the church we're told in Timothy that a bishop somebody that's an elder, somebody that's in charge of a church needed to have a heart that cared for people hospitality, love of strangers how can you be a shepherd looking after the sheep how can you be someone that loves the sheep that wanders off and goes to try to bring them back if you don't care about people if you don't care about So the love of the stranger. Titus was told to be hospitable. All of us, all of us need to be hospitable, love people. It's easy to love family members. Well, okay, most of the time, right? Most of the time. It's a real challenge. It shows who we really are, if or when we love the stranger. So we need to be more focused on loving people. Doing good to people without expecting to be paid for it in something in return. When you get down to the time of Justin Martyr, about 160 AD, uh, we find that on the Lord's Day, when they gathered together, the well-to-do, the rich people, uh, contributed as they could, and they took the monies that were collected, and they used them, notice, to care for the orphans and the widows. And those who, through whom sickness or any other cause were in want or need. They didn't have health insurance. They didn't have some sort of uh, unemployment insurance. If you were sick, you didn't work. You didn't have any money. If you were sick long enough, you couldn't eat. And so the Christians would help look after people who needed money, who needed food, who needed care. Orphans, widows. You know, there weren't retirement plans or whatever in the first century. So if you were married and your husband who had been out working, most women were not out working in the first century. You were stuck, especially if you had four or five kids. Christians looked after people who needed help. Should be the same way today. And notice the very end of that, and as well, strangers who were sojourning, living among us. Care about he says these individuals who had been the strangers that they had been nice to they had gone out for the sake of the name for the sake of jesus accepting nothing from the gentiles therefore we ought to support such men people could be men and women there people so that we may be fellow workers with the truth in all likelihood these were traveling teachers people that went from one city to the other to talk about Jesus to people. What a great thing. What a great thing. And as such, they weren't taking money or hospitality from other people. But when we give money to brothers and sisters to help, even if we don't necessarily know who they are, we are in fact fellow workers in their tasks. You are fellow workers in the good that they are doing. And also it had said that they accepted nothing from the gentiles that's probably talking about pagans they weren't taking money from the pagans help from the pagans they were going to if any help was given want to get it from members of family members of family these travelers knew they had a family in town you know i have traveled lots of places Uh, i've been somehow or other would never have thought of this 10 years ago but i've been to six continents And I've been to a lot of countries, and I've been to a lot of congregations, a lot of churches. The amazing thing to me is that no matter where I've gone, when I can walk through the doors of a church building, it's not the building so much, but when I walk in and see people in there, turns out I had family, I had no idea lived over there. Because we share a common love for Jesus, we can share a common love for each other. No matter where we may call home. They're Christian brothers and sisters, so we should always look to be hospitable, giving love to strangers. That's always the best way to turn strangers into friends. You know? How do you you get a close friend, somebody you would call a friend? How do you become friends? Most of the time we don't even notice it until we're already friends, right? You know, you're trying to how on earth did Bob and I ever get to be friends anyway? I suspect somebody was nice to the other So it just sort of kind of grew together. We were all strangers. I haven't known Bob forever. I haven't known Billy forever, but if we're friends now there's a way to go from being a stranger to being a friend. And I would suggest it involves showing kindness and love for other people. So there's a lesson there for all of us all the time. Then he write, gets, talks about the, the rest of the letter, more or less, talks about two different people. We'll cover them a little quickly here. This first one's generally, I would say, the bad guy. The bad guy. He says, I wrote something to the church but Diotrephes. Diotrephes. that means uh, someone who was nourished by Zeus, probably grew up as a pagan. Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. So he wrote something, but this big-shot guy didn't want to hear it. You can almost imagine as if he was ready to tear up whatever John had written. doesn't say he had, but he doesn't accept what they say. I'm not sure if Diotrephes was an elder, somebody in charge of the church, but if so, what a terrible thing. Elders of all people cannot be someone who loves to be first. You see that up there? Loves to be first. If you have that kind of feeling, please, please, Don't ever try to become a leader somewhere because that's only gonna head for bad outcomes. Love to be first. The guy in the church where uh, he is writing to, John is writing to, Diotrephes. If you think about loves to be first, how much more special can you be if you're already a child of God? I remember the disciples argued over who was gonna be first. And Jesus said, you wanna be the greatest? You wanna be first? servant you're looking to be first you got your eyes in the wrong place you've got your eyes in the wrong place back here in Mark 10 Jesus said to his disciples you know that those who were recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them exercise authority over them and there are great men exercise authority over them but it is this it is not this way among you it's not to be this way among you but whoever wishes to be great whoever wishes to be great to become great among you must be shall be your servant. you want to have a reputation for being great look to be helping other people that's not Diotrophes. I wrote something to the church but Diotrophes, who loves to be first among them does not accept what we say what does John have to say about that for this reason if I come I will call attention to his deeds which he does unjustly accusing us with wicked words. When John came, Diotrephes would pay the piper. Another way of saying that, is he's gonna be taken to the woodshed. And back a long time ago, they would say he would have had a meaningful learning experience. Usually with me, that involved a switch. I don't think we do switches anymore. Do a switch today, we'll probably end up on the news. But he's, he's going to, he's going to have to pay for what he's done. Well, you can't be a bad person. You can't be someone who's not being a servant. And not expect that it's going to come back on you. Dr. Fees is going to have some sort of discussion with John if he comes. How often do people who love position or power simply abuse people because they can? Because they can, not to be us. It's not to be us. So here, even if you think you're in the right, do not look for ways of talking down at people or showing that authority over people, being harsh to people. I think the only real way to help people see change is needed is to show that you care about the person, to show that you love the person. Diotrephes is not over in that area. He's over on the other side. It's not the way to be. Do not be like Diotrephes. Love to be first. In this way too, right? It says, and not satisfied with this, he, Diotrephes himself, does not receive the brothers and forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. He did not show hospitality. There's just no sense of love in him at all. If he's an elder, he's a terrible choice for an elder. He's a terrible choice for an elder. The selection of elders is always critical, always critical for churches as they look to have elders, people who are shepherds looking after the sheep. Somehow or other, it says Diotrephes tried to kick people out of the church. I don't know exactly how you do that. I mean, what did he do? Did he have a, some kind of a spear at the front door so you cannot pass? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But he he's he's not showing. You characteristics of a child of God that he should an even bigger problem in the early church if you were kept out of the congregation it's not like you could go three blocks over and find another church most cities would have one gathering of God's people, what do you do if you can't come in to be among God's people I guess you'd have to move you'd have to find another town this is a big problem, what Diotrephes is doing is awful, flat out awful John's going to, as we say, take him to the woodshed when he gets there. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, but the one who does evil has not seen God, does not know God. Do not imitate what's evil. What Diotrephes was doing was evil. What was he doing? He wasn't showing love for people. And it had gone who was him. He got the big head. There are issues in the world that are good and evil. And despite changing in society, God's people need to say, that's not the way God wants us to be. It's gonna get harder. It's it's already hard in some circumstances to speak what God has said is evil and call it evil. It's just gonna get harder over the next 20, 30 years, but that's the situation we're going to find ourselves in. We have to say, Do not imitate what is evil. Even if evil is done to us, our response has to be good. You know, and that's one proof of our relationship to God, really and truly. Do we know God? Do we show in our lives that we walk in the light? If so, we in fact show that we know God and are following after God. Those who are doing evil, if you're doing evil, then no matter what you say about God, you're not one of his children, not living the way he need to be. How did it turn out with Diotrephes? No idea. There's no indication of any, we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. Certainly this letter that John wrote would have started that discussion. I'd like to think that Diotrephes got his act together. I would like to think that he became the kind of person that was a servant i would like to think that he showed love for strangers i would like to think a lot of things i think it's on purpose we don't know how it turned out because what if i'm the one who's been living and acting more like nehotrophies then that call john makes to change comes to me comes to me there's another individual in here whose name is demetrius demetrius He had a good testimony from everybody. By contrast, Demetrius was providing an example that was worth following. So who was Demetrius? There's a couple of them mentioned in the New Testament. We really don't know if it's either of them, but I have my hopes. Back in Acts 19, when Paul was in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, on the coast of modern-day Turkey over near Greece, Where John is writing, there was a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines to Diana, also called Artemis, a female goddess, pagan goddess. So he made little idols, little shrines that people would buy, put in their homes. And when Paul came to Ephesus and people started turning away from the gods, got the silversmiths, these idol makers, pretty upset. In fact, they demonstrated against Paul. Big deal wonder if that's Demetrius John is talking about a Demetrius he's writing almost certainly from Ephesus I wonder if that's him could it have been that the one that led the demonstrations against Paul turned out to be the Demetrius we've had a good report from all some 30 years later maybe I want to hope it is because God's word has the power to change anybody but I don't know I'm gonna hope that it is, right? In my mind, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm gonna think that's probably him. I don't know. But if so, what a story that would have been. It also could have been Demas. Demas had forsaken Paul. We read about that when he's writing to Timothy. He had loved the present world. He had forsaken Paul, but anytime somebody forsakes God, there's always the opportunity to come back. And Demas is a, Demas is a shorter version of the word Demetrius. Same name. Maybe Demas came back. I'd love to thank either of these. It could be somebody else, right? I don't know. But this Demetrius is somebody worth imitating. It was a fairly common name. What a tale either of those would have made. Compare the two people. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself itself. And we had our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Demetrius was someone John would vouch for. He would stand up for. He's willing to say, Demetrius is a good guy. He's living the way God wants. He's showing God's love. Demetrius. Compare that to this guy. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention To his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. Diotrephes was someone John would take to the woodshed. What kind of person are we? If John were to come to town, would he try to pull me into a corner to have a talk? Or would I be someone whose life would be showing the love of Jesus and what I do? He would say, be like this person. More importantly, how does Jesus view you? How does Jesus view me? Though sometimes those can be a hard question to ask. What's my life look like this last period of time? Have I been showing love for people? Or have I wanted to be more important? Want to be seen as the big shot? Want to be seen as first, have the preeminence among people? We the kind of person Jesus would claim as his own. Yep, I know him. He's one of mine. Look here how it ends. John says, I have many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face, face to face. Peace to you, the friends greet you, greet the friends by name. He kept the letter short. one normal-sized page in Greek writing. He ran out of room. He said what he wanted to say. Got a few more things. We'll talk when I get there. We'll talk when I get there. And again, notice the emphasis on face to face, face to face, seeing somebody. Right, right now I only see half of most of my faces. It kind of bothers me. People say I've never looked better, and like all he can see is a up from here up. Maybe people say when everybody else goes back to no mask. gene butchers back on it looks better that way But here he'd seen the people I was going to see them face to face Greet the friends by name. I want you to look at a couple of other things the friends greet you greet the friends by name He says I hope to see you face to face greet the friends by name of all places anywhere anywhere on the face of the earth this this the gathering of God's people should be the place where everybody knows your name. It used to be a TV show. It was on. Had a song as it was coming on. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Cheers. You call Cheers. That was a bar. That's not the place where everybody should know your name place where everybody should know your name is where everybody who walks in is loved or everybody who comes is a member of God's family. Everybody who comes in is a brother and sister. So we need to make sure we know each other. We need to make sure that we love each other, that we're involved in each other's lives, that we are here for each other. We need to be Show love for the brothers. In closing, Jesus absolutely knows your name. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows what my life looks like. He knows what your life looks like. So I want to ask you this Do you know him? Do you know his name? Is he the one who is Lord of your life? Is he the one? That you wake up in the morning thinking, I'm going to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. What does your life look like? If you're not yet a member of God's family, if you're watching at home and you're not yet a member of God's family, please, please reach out to us. Today is the day to make the change. You may not have another. Preachers have said that for a hundred years. One of these days it's going to be true. All you have is right now. You're a member of God's family, but your life has not been the kind of life that you would want Jesus to have been seeing. He did. And you have right now to put your life back on track to get it to where Jesus wants it to be and to be forgiven of anything that's bothering you that you know is keeping you away from God. Things, please, please to consider as we stand in sing.